Welcome to the Fod Eater Fod Path. <laughs> what is up, y'all? It is Froth here, Thought Eater Podcast, Thought Eater Blog. Hope you're doing well. Thank you, as always, for listening, and welcome once again to Hump Day Bloggerama. Feels like forever since I podcasted. Uh, I know my output's been a little sporadic lately um, with the holiday. Didn't game this weekend and uh, had that happen a couple of weeks ago. So feels good to be podcasting. Got to be honest with you. Feel good about it. Feel really good about the show today. As a matter of fact, as I was putting it together today, I'm actually recording this on Tuesday. So it'll be out bright and early for folks on Wednesday. But as I was putting it together today, I was like, uh, whoa, a lot of awesome stuff today. Can't wait. So. But uh, if it's your first time checking out the show, listening to Hump Day Bloggerama, the basic idea, I follow along with a bunch of blogs all week long, a bunch of RPG blogs. Kind of skews old school, but I look at as many different kinds of RPG blogs as I, as I can get my, my eyeballs on and uh, talk about some of the highlights chit chat about it here on the podcast and then over on the thought eater blog i compile all of the links so that you can uh, find everything that i talked about real easily and the thought eater blog you can google that or go to frothsoft froth sof dnd.blogspot.com com com anyway got some call-ins to get to today kind of like i did last week um i thought i'd put some of the call-ins up uh from uh, from last week's Five Minute Friday, you know, I do a shorter podcast on Fridays because these usually run around an hour, maybe even longer. So, uh, and the topic on Friday, I was talking about uh, weather. I had the hurricane on my mind, and I was talking about weather and RPGs. Still have the hurricane on my mind a little bit, even though it looks like it's going to dodge, hopefully, you know, completely dodge the U.S. Uh, oof, the Bahamas. Some rough video coming out of there, so um, I will be paying attention to, I know there's already some ways, I'll be paying attention to some ways, uh, see if I can sling some cash down to them and see what uh, can be helped. Um, I've been down to the Bahamas once, and um, like many places, there's uh, definitely some stratified wealth going on down there, and uh, lots of places, you know, looked like they could handle a storm lots of places didn't but who can handle a storm that just sits on you and doesn't even move for you know two days or a whole weekend or whatever i mean at one point uh i was just seeing them say that it was just stationary you know so that's horrible um but anyway um had some call-ins talking about the weather you're gonna hear from let's see you got joe richter you got Mr. Yoder, and even Evelyn M. So let's listen to these. Hey, Froth, it's Joe, man. And that must have been another example of anchorites reading each other's mind because I've been thinking about weather and weather tables for the past couple days. My players are getting ready to set out on the vast open Rashindi Plains for about a week-long travel to Fort Khalifas. They're leaving the city of Malak. Um, And so I've been, it's late summer, early fall there right now. And so, yeah, I've been thinking about what the weather is going to be like and thinking about random tables. So thanks for the inspiration. Thanks for reading my mind and keep up the great work, man. I love every single episode you put out, dude. All right. Hope you're having a good one. Peace out. That's Joe Richter from two podcasts, the Wheeler Woe podcast, as well as Hindsightless here on Anchor. First of all, Joe, appreciate the kind words. Thank you, as always. You know, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was listening to Rob C's Down in a Heap podcast uh, this morning, kind of getting ready for work and everything, and uh, did a podcast on, you know, hand-waving things, you know, what do you hand wave in your game and and all that? And one thing I just never hand wave is travel. I really enjoy travel and games, and your message made me think about that. Um, so weather 
plays a big deal in that. And then I just like travel because it gives a sense of scale to the world. You know, um, I don't like fast forward and saying, Hey, you're here. Now there are some games I do do that with. Like if you got to take a call of Cthulhu, if you're taking a cruise, you know, over to London or whatever, um, unless I've got a scenario or something, I'm not going to play that out. D and D is different though. What with the random tables and, and everything else or D and D like games, also playing in the world of Greyhawk, you know, it's those classic Darlene maps are, you know, about 30 miles across. So, uh, just going anywhere, you know, you got to really want to get there. You got to prepare to get there. And, uh, over long amounts of time, you can definitely expect, uh, some kind of weather event. So, uh, that sounds awesome. Yep. I don't hand wave travel. I, I enjoy it. And, uh, that's part of the reason I guess, uh, weather comes into my game so much. If you're just kind of beaming around from room to room or town to town, maybe it, it, it doesn't play as big a, a, a role, but anyway, as always, I appreciate you. Hey, Froth, this is Jim on behalf of all Floridians. Thanks for thinking of us. <laughs> I'm up here in Jacksonville. So um, I won't be there at landfall, thankfully. Um, it most likely will tear up the coast and, uh, get to us. I don't know when, but, um, it'll have died down to a category two. And where I'm situated, hopefully it's far enough from, uh, <laughs> water that I that flooding won't be too bad uh good news is it's a two-story but you know any flooding sucks so but thanks again hope everything's fine uh take care and good night so mr yoder there from the random encounters in the library podcast another legendary anchorite and yeah I'm, I'm i've been glad to see the computer models keep taking it further and further east but you know you never know with those things but glad to hear you know that you're out of harm's way and all that uh you know i've been through one hurricane in my life i've been through uh two or three tropical storms one actually came all the way up here to athens which was crazy because we got a lot of pine trees and you know we get ice and we have lots of problems you know what i mean as far as trees and everything goes so once we had those about you know, close to 70 mile, you know, 70 mile per hour sustained winds, the trees, uh, there were lots of issues, but the only hurricane I've ever been through was when I lived in Charleston, uh, Mount Pleasant, actually just outside of Charleston, I lived there about, well, between a year and two years, uh, enjoyed living there, but, um, it was only a category one, but my God, ugh, scary, scary as hell. And, uh, going out the next day there were you know all kinds of power lines and problems and, and uh some some flooding and everything and uh i can't imagine how terrified uh, those people are going through that uh in the bahamas so i'm glad you were spared mr yoder and thank you for calling in hello this is evelyn so about the wetters in game uh i think that when wetters only impose some kind of penalty this is kind of boring i prefer when if the witters influence or determine the random encounters so like if when it's raining outside some kind of creature go out and some others don't if uh, i don't know the undeads come when it's snowing or when it's freezing or when it's warm there's this other kind of creature that will come out so this way the player character can learn about the ecology, about the ecosystem and about the wetters and they can evaluate their risk and it can it's become interesting and fun. Like you can say, oh no, it's snowing, so the undeads will come out. We better be careful or stuff like that. So I think this can be very fun to, to try to game. So that's Evelyn Moreau there, who honestly probably needs no introduction, but does the chromatic cauldron blog and i'm really happy to say has started a podcast on anchor um truve dance los rayons which translates to on the shelves and uh, it's in french so unfortunately 
knowing how bad my French is, uh, I'm not going to be able to understand understand it. But uh, it looks like the the subject matter is discussing comics and books and stuff. So if you speak French, uh, definitely check that out. And I've got a, a link up on the intro under the intro um, heading on uh, the uh, Hump Day blog post for this. But um, so that that's awesome. Congratulations on the the podcast, Evelyn and. Uh, a couple of interesting points there and uh, what you had to say. Um, I agree that um, if all the weather does is a, just a big stream of penalties, that does uh, get boring and kind of, I think, probably crushing for the players. That is probably one of my main, uh, one of the kind of gripes. Or I shouldn't say gripes. It's just something. With, if you used every single bit of like the wilderness survival guide um you know you're gonna have uh, first of all a slow moving game having to you know roll on these and compute all this and figure out all these penalties but but you also run the risk of just kind of really sucking the joy out of the game a little bit um you know with every degree of temperature really influencing the armor you're wearing and that kind of stuff now Hey, if that's what a table wants to do, fine. For me, I've got my own system in place, and I do try not to 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 make it where it's just a it, it's just a constant uh, penalty. I, I I appreciate the flavor of uh, of of picturing and and um, and describing the weather. Um, you know, as much, you know, I think that's maybe more important than, than necessarily just constantly penalizing the players and everything. A little bit of that though, I like, but yeah, you don't, you wouldn't want to overdo it. Um, then your other ideas about, uh, random tables and, and creatures that are more likely to be out in and other uh, weather and stuff like that and different seasons. And I think that's, that's awesome. And that opened up a whole bunch of imagination uh for me uh maybe you know you have some torrential rain and flooding and everything and it's 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 something almost lovecraftian where uh it's 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 bringing in like uh you know weird monsters from the deep and stuff like that or could even be some kind of alien uh the weather's actually being caused by some alien race and they're kind of taken over the world you don't realize it's happening you know through the rain and uh you know it's like kind of like an invasion of the body snatchers seeding the the earth and stuff like that so that gave me all kinds of cool ideas so anyway appreciate you as always for calling in and then hey so now i've got one more call in i neglected to mention earlier because i didn't think i could figure out how to do it goblins henchman from goblinshenchman.wordpress.com, sent in a message, but it emailed me just a audio file, and then I figured out, kind of shocked, but I figured out how to upload it on Anchor, so we're going to listen to that next. Hi Froth, it's Goblin Senchman here. Just a quick voice message about the episode you did on weather. I thought I'd just quickly mention that uh, hex flowers are a great way that weather can be done. Um, essentially hex flowers are a bit like a random table with a memory so that you can go from one weather type that's similar to another one and if you impose on a 2d6 uh, probability mechanic you can favor uh, more likely weather over non-likely weather. For example in my one page dungeon contest submission I did a couple of hex flowers in that that concerned uh, weather at sea um, and I think that's a pretty good example but I would think that because I, I did it. Okay cheers fella, bye. That's Goblin's Henchman there. Again, proud of myself for being able to <laughs> figure out how to upload a audio file into the podcast. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, so Goblin's Henchman there talking about their um, hex flower um, templates and stuff. And so I'll put up a link to Goblin's Henchman's blog uh, that's got, um, it's their most recent post about using the uh, their their hex flowers to do, uh, to track morale but I put that up because at the the bottom of that post, it's got links to their other Hexflower posts, so you can get an idea of what that is and 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 check that out. And so yeah, so cool stuff, inventive. I like it. 
and uh, so everybody go check that out. Let's see. Now we're going to move on to, I got just a few more calls that are, are related to hump day last week. Uh, first, we're going to hear from uh, John Allen Large. Hey, Froth, this is John here from the Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your Humber Day Bloggerama episode and just wanted to say thanks for pointing me in the direction of the London map of medieval murders. That's going to be really useful for me running my campaign in the Midlands version of Great London. So just wanted to say, enjoying the Blog Day Bloggerama as always. And thank you very much for pointing out all this good stuff for us. Keep up the good work, dude. Take care. John Allen Large there from the Red Dice Diaries, and I'm glad you enjoyed that. You know, Jack Shear over at Tales of the Grotesque and Dungeonesque.blogspot.com, one of my favorite bloggers, um, always uh, finds these really interesting um, articles and things like that. You know, uh, Jack had put up uh, a post from a few hump days ago about uh, like the history of bedsheet ghosts and stuff, and uh, all this kind of just fascinating you know, weird trivia and, and things like that. And you have that murder map for any, for certainly for your, uh, Midterlands London game, but really any, uh, uh, any kind of, uh, medieval game or certainly anything, you know, set, set over there. Um, it's fascinating. And there's where there are all kinds of weird, uh, you know, weird tidbits. So you, you can almost just, playing an entire adventure around uh, uh, some of the stuff. So glad you enjoyed that. And uh, definitely, uh, you know, make that one of the, the blogs you bookmark because Jack's always posting something interesting up. Hey, Froth, it's Liren. Oh my gosh, the meaning of SOF is an awesome trivia tidbit to use in some kind of contest at some point in the future. <laughs> that rocks. You could also include, what was your mmm nickname? I mean, who would know both of those things? Liren there from Updates from the Middle of Nowhere. And Liren, if you knew the the whole story behind Side of Fries, I'm telling you, that, that would really be some trivia. But some things i got to keep close to the vest. Hey, this is Ray. I was listening to your in bit of your last hump day blogorama about Arneson and Gygax. You totally hit the nail on the head. Uh, there's not enough love given to Arneson, but there's enough to go around, right? There's enough light to shine on both of them, and they both had problematic personalities. Let's not fool ourselves. <laughs> they both had their flaws. They were flawed, real people. Um, but Gygax did an amazing thing with those 18 pages of scribbled notes. He turned it into a game that we all know and love. The game we play really isn't Arneson's game. Uh, we play the ideas that Arneson came up with, but we play the game, the system that Gary came up with, and a lot of things that have entered D&D as classic D&D items came from Gary. So the original idea, you know, the inspiration came from Arneson. Great. Like I said, there's enough credit to go around, and I thought you did a really good job of balancing the scales a little bit. I didn't like that article. It was too stilted. Ray Otis there, legendary anchorite from the Plundergrounds podcast. Ray, thanks as always for your input and for listening and uh ray's talking about last week's final topic uh where i was discussing this recent kodaku article about uh, arneson and gygax and you can go back and listen to that if you're interested but you know there's been a, a lot of follow-up to that over the week and uh, i thought i'd put up some other things that have Referenced it um, that caught my eye. Uh, this will all be under the intro tab there over at the Thought Eater blog for the hump day. Um, the gentleman over at the Dice for Screaming podcast uh, did a whole episode on the whole Gygax versus Arneson thing that was really, really good. So I've got a link up for that. Then um, Justin Alexander from the Alexandrian blog put up a post that um, it's kind of them trying to recapture the like first Blackmore game. And it just kind of points to how, uh, memories can change over long periods of time. And, uh, when litigation is involved. So that was an interesting read. And then finally, uh, Dave McGarry creator of the dungeon board game that is referenced, uh, 
you know, and the Kotaku article and everything um, over at the uh, Blackmore Mastara blog, Havard's Blackmore blog. Uh, they put up some of uh, what Dave McGarry has been saying on Facebook, and it's interesting for the for the history and everything, but also as they they say, uh, you know, let's do what needs to be done to keep Gygax and Arneson from being forgotten collectively in, in the division. And I think that's a, a good sentiment um, because uh, you had to have, you know, both of them to, to get where we are today. And uh, so some more reading on that if, if anyone's interested. Also have a picture up of Arneson holding this. The cover art from Adventures in Fantasy, one of his kind of later attempts at a at an RPG, and the picture makes me laugh. I love the cover, and there's a lot to like about that game, but it kind of points to what this all this whole discussion kind of comes down to for me, because the game itself, in my opinion, is unplayable. And uh, I, I mean, I'm sure somebody could tell me that they played it by the book, and. Uh, you know, I'm not going to call you a liar to your face, but uh, I just, uh, I don't think it's, now, is it filled with cool ideas? Yes. Can you use it for inspiration? Yes. Is it, you know, every page, you know, or most pages have some kind of cool, interesting idea, uniqueness, imaginative spark, um, but it is not, um, you know, granted, it's not like original D&D uh, to many people is is comp that comprehensible and uh it certainly gets criticized a lot that way um even even today or even when you have these uh kind of reorganized versions of it or whatever but um i guess it, i guess what i'm saying is it, you know it took uh arneson's you know ideas and creativity and ingenuity and and then it and, and it kind of took Gygax to you know whip it and form it into something that could be um sold um and that's even a gross simplification of uh of both of their input but anyway the other thing i wanted to say uh, before we get started is uh there's uh whenever i can whenever i notice them and catch brand new blogs i like to mention them uh, and I caught a couple that have their first post just this week. So first I want to welcome to the blogosphere from, uh, the bone box chant blog, boneboxchant.wordpress.com pandatheist pandatheist. Welcome to the blogosphere. And I've got a link up to that on the intro tab, as well as the class X blog, classxblog.com. This is Shahar Halevi's blog. Shahar, welcome to the blogosphere. Y'all check them out and check out their new blogs. And here we go. And now a word from our sponsors. All right, so let's get into the episode, starting with the maps. Back to starting with the maps this week. And we're going to go back to Evelyn M's um, work at Le Chadron Chromatique. The Chadron Chromatique blogspot.com aka the chromatic cauldron and evelyn put up a post called keywords maps and i love this idea so there's uh, one of her maps up there and you can see that instead of being like naming things by the country or the the village or, or whatever instead it's using keywords things like ancient or possessive or dark and curious uh, or wild but shy like on a forest and so the idea here is that you're using these kind of keywords to kind of guide you instead of you know um, name literal names of places and I love this idea especially as like a GM map um, it kind of made me think a little bit about the Greyhawk um, box set how it has maps of the Flanace and it has some that are like you know based on what the economy, you know, what they export and what they mine and everything. And then some based on the, uh, you know, the, uh, alignment or whatever. And so this could be something really cool of kind of, you know, instead of having to have all these literal specific names, if you have this large area that players are exploring, 
um, and you just want to have some some keywords set to have you help you quickly um, recollect what the creatures are like or cultures that live in different places uh, I thought that this was a neat idea so check that out over at Le Chaudron Chromatique and then also uh, I mentioned Justin Alexander uh, earlier I mentioned in Justin's work again this post couldn't pass up posting it on uh, as far as maps go because it's uh, on Leonardo da Vinci's maps that they saw on exhibit while in London and very, very interesting. Uh, put one up so you could look at it. And then there's another one that's almost like, uh, you know, a bird's eye view, satellite view of, uh, of, of another area. And it's got a little video there about how uh, da Vinci did that, you know, um, being able to conceptualize it and, and, and everything and create that. So uh, just some neat, neat old, old maps. And uh, uh, that's why da Vinci was a master. Then finally, something kind of completely different at the Acorn Afloat blog, acornafloat.blogspot.com. Uh, trying to look. I always try to look for names on here, but I'm not seeing not seeing their name easily findable. But they, they put up a post, Too Tall Tower, and it's just a drawing that I really like. Uh, almost kind of looks like watercolor and, 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 and ink, and uh, it's got this kind of exaggerated tower uh, it just kind of reminds me of maybe something from a children's book or something i just thought it was a cool map image there some cool reviews and retrospectives this week you know a few weeks ago i was talking about uh backup games and one shots for when your regular game doesn't happen and then i happened to notice over at dungeon anthology dungeon not anthology anthology dungeonanthology.com jojiro over there posted two posts Games for one-shots, and so it's eight games uh, that they feel like would be good for one-shots. Some, uh, any old-school gamers I'm sure will have heard of, like uh, Ben Milton's Maze Rats, you've got Daniel Sell's Troika, um, and then a bunch of games I was not aware of, Always Never Now, Everyone is John, uh, Winterhorn, let's see... Dread, I've heard of that one. The Witch is Dead by Grant Howitt. It seems like every name, uh, the, every um, creator of this semi I follow on social media. Dungeon World. Uh, so those are some games that they, they recommend for one-shots, and they do a little kind of like blurb and a little description of each game. So I thought that was a, a co those were a couple of interesting posts to check out over at Dungeon Anthology. If you're thinking about running a one-shot, want some good recommendations. Uh, Pookie UK over at Reviews from Roulier. I talk about Roulier reviews.blogspot.com frequently because they're a, <clears throat> they they do a lot of reviews. It's the, you know ten foot pole is is a good one for you know pure OSR. I guess they do some five E and stuff too, even some third edition pure D and D ish kind of games. I guess you could say. Uh, but Pookie will do all kinds of games, and um, so between those two, you, you can have a lot of, of, of good reviews, so I highly recommend bookmarking this one and checking out frequently. But they did a, a review of the Lamentations of the Flame Princess Adventure Sounds, well, source book, I guess, source book slash adventure, Sounds of the Mushroom Kingdom. It was a Gen Con exclusive a couple years ago, so if you're wondering about that one, missed out on it. Uh, trying to decide whether to uh, pick up the PDF or whatever and want to uh, read about that, go over to rulierreviews.blogspot.com. Check out that review on Sounds of the Mushroom Kingdom. All right, so Robot Goblin over at robotgoblin.com did a review of Soul Muppets Best Left Buried Zini Edition. Now, there's a deluxe version of this game out, but this uh, Zini Edition sounds like a really cool format. Uh, five mini zines covering character creation, advancements, playing the game, consequences, and monsters. And they describe it as being kind of in the same camp as Torchbearer. Um, so, but, uh, you know, anything zine related, you know, my ears perk up and I'm interested. So this sounds like something I might want to check out. And it's through the folks over at Exalted Funeral who I always like to support. So check that out over at RobotGoblin.com. Then over at... Adventures Under the Dark Sun, darksunadventures.blogspot.com. 
cool retrospective post here. They always, uh, you know, everything they post is related to the Dark Sun campaign setting. And they're talking about these early 90s TSR Dark Sun trading cards. And these look really cool. You know, I don't know, uh, I guess this is post-Garbage Pail Kids or whatever, but uh, still, you know, cards, collectible cards was was uh, obviously something they could, uh, you know, that kids still had interest in or whatever. And uh, I don't know, anybody else have Garbage Pail Kids? Me and my brother, my, oh my God, we love those things. We collected the heck out of those. Used to have some baseball cards and stuff too, but we just got, got rid of them. I never... I think I was more into the gum than baseball, honestly, but um, getting a little off topic. But these Dark Sun trading cards, you want to see some images of these, pretty neat. Um, that's over at darksunadventures.blogspot.com. Then uh, there's a kind of a breakdown of the rules and everything of how advanced fighting fantasy, the role-playing game, works. This is over at worldcreatorstoolbox.com, Tegius's blog. And if you're interested in the advanced fighting fantasy role-playing game, um, this could give you some information on that. So I thought I'd throw that up there as well. And then finally, on the reviews and retrospectives, uh, bogswood.blogspot.com. Excellent blog that I mentioned from time to time. DH Boggs over there does a lot of uh, kind of posts on the history of the game and everything. And here, DH Boggs is focusing on Dave McGarry's Dungeon Board Game which has since been reprinted a number of times. I know that my little cousins actually have a copy of this, uh, one of the more recent ones that, you know, that Wizards put out. And this is um, uh, really interesting scholarship, and it's called The Dungeon Board Game as a Foundation of D&D. So I would definitely, if, if that's your thing, if you enjoy the history of the game, I would go over and check that out. All right, so we didn't roll on random tables last week, but we're gonna we're gonna roll this week. One thing I wanted to clarify uh, when I mentioned uh, best left buried um, coming out through Exalted Funeral, they're they're handling like a distribution on that. It's actually it's Solm up at Publishing, you know, that puts out uh, that puts out the product. Um, but um, Exalted Funeral is kind of like a storefront and you can buy it from. So I wanted to clarify that if I was unclear as I oftentimes am. Um, all right, so let's go see what Cackle Charm's up to over at the mansgaming.blogspot.com. Cackle Charm's got endless creativity uh, feature their work often, and they're doing 50 custom blasters. So these are ray guns that you can use in sci-fi or gonzo sorts of games. First, they have a bunch of firing modes, uh, such as heat. You know, they could do it. They could slowly heat up what they're pointed at, uh, melt ice, that kind of thing. They can stun. They cause light, sound. So these all have their own firing modes. But then you roll uh, to see what the D50 custom blaster is. So let's see here. Approximate this. Alright, so that would end up being a 35. So this is a the Flying Ape. It's a one-handed blaster, and it's got a blaster, stun, and modified Levitron mode. So let me see what that mode is first. You pointed at something to make it levitate. Oh, well, that makes sense. So back down to the... The Flying Ape. This weapon was designed in the shape of a boomerang with an unfortunate banana-yellow paint job. Ah. If thrown in the air, it uses the gravity modules and thrusters to fly where it was programmed to go and then return to the thrower's hand in 20 minutes. The gun is often thrown, then the user can surrender or pretend to be unarmed only for it to swing back and return to them just when they need it. That is awesome. 50 of these from Cackle Charm. 50 custom blasters. This is... Gonzo Sci-Fi Gold over here. And K-Tray. Talk about K-Tray's work a lot at blog.d4caltrips.com. They do these awesome D100 tables that you can download as a PDF. They've got one up. Dungeon Noises and Sounds. So these can be just random noises or whatever to get your players all worried. That kind of thing. And you roll for the, the sound and then the volume and the direction. So... Well, how about that? A hundred. I hear a yowling. I hear a yowling. 
an intense yowling. Where is it coming from? Below. Ooh. You hear an intense yowling somewhere underneath your feet. You get the idea. D100 Dungeons, Noises, and Sounds. Download that PDF for free over at blog.d4caltrips.com. All right, so Chris Tam over at elfmaidsandoctopi.blogspot.com needs no introduction, kind of the master of random tables. Put up an interesting post, I hate D&D dolphins. Uh, basically, they don't like how kind of generic uh, dolphins were treated in the second edition monster manual. They say they could have gotten those facts from a children's book. And so they kind of come up with some tables to have weirder uh, dolphins, basically. <laughs> so uh, Only from the mind of Chris Tam, I hate D&D dolphins. So first it's got a D20 table of dolphin rumors. Let's see what these dolphins are rumored to do. Dolphins might carry children swimming alone to the undersea paradise forever. And then it's also got dolphin varieties, a D12 table here. And yeah, a serrated dolphin. It has a saw blade fin that does D12 damage. And it uses that saw blade fin to kill crocodiles. So if, you, uh, if you're like Chris and don't like the uh, vanilla or plain dolphin variety and want to uh, kick it up a notch, go over and check out I Hate D&D Dolphins over at Elfmaids and Occupy.blogspot.com. And then finally, as far as the random tables go, this is a generator. I was looking around for some um, Call of Cthulhu pregens over the weekend and ended up over at doleshouse.org. D-H-O-L-E-S, doleshouse.org. Remember, all these, all these uh, links and everything are over at the Thought Eater blog. But anyway, it's an online toolkit for players and keepers of Call of Cthulhu. And so it's got... Uh, generators to generate characters and stuff and uh, handouts and um, dice rollers and stuff like that really cool if you're into Call of Cthulhu um, and uh, anyway it's got you know templates you can do Pulp Cthulhu modern era um, you know classic 1920s obviously um, and it's got a, a character library so you can just easily click on there and download um, it's really nice, basically. Call of Cthulhu is one of those games I like to have pre-gens. I mentioned this when I did the uh, the episode about one-shots and backup games. You know, you don't have to mess with gender or name or anything too detailed, but if you, to just kind of give the skeleton to a player, you know, you can just have a lawyer and get those approximate, you know, the, the kind of skill package approximated for them. And they can add, you know, the rest of the flavor and character to it, but... Uh, it's just a time saver and, um, and you know, when you're probably going to die or go insane anyway, nothing wrong with some pregens, you know, just let them choose an occupation and it's already kind of built for them. So really handy tools over there. If you're into Call of Cthulhu over at the doleshouse.org. All right. The free stuff this week, y'all is awesome. Get organized where I need to be. All right, so if you are a fan of Dungeon Crawl Classics, you are in luck because the new Gong Farmer's Almanac is coming out. Uh, if you're not familiar with what this is, it's like a kind of fan and community um, collaboration. It's been running for at least four years. I believe this is actually the fifth year. Um, I, I usually buy all these once they get compiled into the digest on Lulu. But they've got all the free PDFs for the 2019 edition up. You know, adventures, alternate rules, everything else. There's 14 different um, uh, volumes of this. So all for, for to download for free. So unbelievable. Uh, I've, t I've mentioned many times how the community for DCC is always doing something cool, always working together. I saw Claytonian JP um, talking about this and uh, just... Uh, um, if you're a fan of DCC, I know you'll check this out, but you could really use this for all kinds of uh, varieties of D&D. So be, in ch be sure and go over to gongfarmersalmanac.com. Check that out. It'll take you over to download the free PDFs and then be on the lookout for that to go up on Lulu. And check out the previous years if you never have looked at it before. You know, you can still get all those PDFs for free as well. At indiegamereadingclub.com. You know, I've talked before about itch.io and how they all these awesome jams will happen there. Uh, the pamphlet jam for pamphlet zines, the uh, uh, tunnel goons jam, 
the sword dream jam you know a bunch of people will upload things you know kind of under the same entry or heading on under the same kind of topic or same concept and uh it's just awesome something i really like about the itch.io and anyway this is talking about the on-ramp jam and so these are kind of introductory tabletop rpgs kind of games or to uh kind of introduce people to to role-playing games and it looks like there's maybe 20 or so of these up here most if not all are available for free so be sure and go check that out uh, links are at the indiegamereadingclub.com. All right, continuing with the free stuff, Pete Jones, Legendary Anchorite, does the Dragons Are Real podcast. Um, I put up a link. They do the Dragons Are Real zine as well, and they just dropped number two, Fear and Fun um, issue. So these are uh, pamphlet jams you can download and fold. And so first I've got a link up to Pete's site because in case you missed uh, their first zine, it's got a link there. Then I've got a Google Drive link that goes straight to number two. And then also I put up a link to the Dragons Are Real podcast, really enjoyable podcast to listen to. Um, uh, when I heard Pete, you know, back talking about their Flash Gordon Ubiquity game, I was like, okay, I'm going to enjoy this. So Legendary Anchorite, give us. Uh, check that out and check out their zine more dcc stuff knights in the north knights in the north.com often does a variety of free kind of dcc pdfs really cool artwork that'll jump right out at you this one's called the eel hound uh, this is amp posting this you can download this dungeon crawl classics monster the eel hound and I love the artwork. Uh, Amp's artwork is awesome. So check out that free PDF. It's like uh, it's like your birthday if you're a Dungeon Crawl Classics fan today. And then something else really awesome. I don't know if you've noticed this yet, but you know the one-page dungeon contest, the, the winners and everything were announced. Um, and now over at DungeonContest.com, it's got it to where you can download all the entries from this year for free. So it's like a hundred and something, you know, awesome, killer, one-page dungeons that you can use for all sorts of games. So as far as the free stuff this week, I mean, the Gong Farmer's Almanac, 14 volumes of it. You've got the on-ramp jam, like, you know, 20-plus free introductory RPG PDFs. you got Pete jones kicking butt over at dragons are real giving you the dragons are real zine you got the eel hound from knights in the north and then you got like a hundred and something one page dungeons from the dungeoncontest.com so i just thought this week as far as free stuff goes magnifique all right some miscellaneous stuff to get through hanging on Pushing through it. All right, starting over at blogsontape.paperspencils.com. Nick Whelan, I've talked about the Papers and Pencils blog before, but I wanted to make sure you were aware of their Blogs on Tape, uh, kind of, I guess you say, se uh, sub-segment. <laughs> no, you probably wouldn't say that, would you? Uh, no one in their right mind would say that sub-segment. Um, anyway, blogsontape.paperspencils.com is where Nick will, will read uh, blog posts so you get that kind of mix of blogs and and podcasts. So it's right up my alley, obviously. And they read through, you know, you'll see a lot of classic or, you know, should-be classic posts over the years through here. They're up, they're up to episode 71. Most recently, they are reading a recent posts from Ann Hunter from DIY and Dragons. So if that sounds like something up your alley, if you're listening to this show, Blogs on Tape probably is up your alley. So you might go check that out. Over at bxblackrazor.blogspot.com, JB over there is talking about System Shock. Part of the reason I put this up is because there's a little synchronicity. I was talking, I uh, left a message with Rob C. from Down in a Heap today talking about Anthony Huso when uh, I was listening to Rob's podcast on uh, hand-waving rules. I was talking about how Anthony Huso, who writes a lot of first edition adventures and stuff, uh, Anthony's whole shtick is using every single first edition rule, uh, no matter how obscure or how strange. And um, 
So system shock is something that not a lot of you know not a lot of tables necessarily use. Uh, maybe you do, but it's not really in the basic versions of the game. But it did kind of come down through uh, the Greyhawk supplement into AD and D, um, and so uh, it was just kind of a little discussion on kind of a not necessarily an obscure rule, but maybe an oft ignored or as Rob C was talking about hand waved rules. So if you want to want to check out that. Uh, read a little bit about System Shock. It's actually kind of a cool rule. It might be something, you know, if I was just playing Vanilla BX, I might port over. It adds a level of danger to certain spells, you know, Petrification, Polymorph, and stuff like that. So, anyway, go check that out. Cool post at Medievalist.net. This is a Middle Ages history blog that I often look for, you know, look to for inspiration or just fun reading and they did a post what was it like to travel during the middle ages part one going by road and what was interesting about this was being able to compare and contrast actual like kind of records of real medieval travel times with uh D. so basically you know walking by foot they could you know do about 30 miles a day was typical and so that kind of jives with um with most, you know, D&D rule sets, you know, 8 to 10 hours of walking, going about 30 miles. That's right about where it needs to be, you know, 3 miles an hour and uh, having to rest and all that. But once it gets into carts, um, D&D, at least classic rules, were kind of much too generous to carts. And it's talking about, you know, if carts were laden with trade goods, could really slow the party down significantly. It gives an anecdote about Margaret, the newly minted Duchess of Brabant, who decided to move her entire clothing collection to her marital home in the year 1297, and it took the cart 18 days to travel 85 miles. So you're looking at uh, you know between four and five miles a day uh, with all those clothes. So, and then um, you might expect you know mounted travelers to be you know, as in D&D, you know, much faster than traveling by foot. But uh, even then, it was about 30 to 40 miles a day for the most part. Sometimes people can push harder for shorter journeys, but it was not sub, sub, uh, sustainable to, to do over 40 unless you could, uh, you know, you were a professional messenger that could switch out horses and stuff like that. So anyway, just food for thought and kind of interesting to see how you know, real life matches up with D&D rules. If that sounds interesting to you, go over to medievalist.net and check that out. Again, all these links are up on the Thought Eater blog. The Gen Con 2019 Dungeon Crawl Classics College Seminar is now up where you can view it on YouTube. And I figured, hey, go all in on DCC today. It's so much Dungeon Crawl Classics stuff. Uh, so if this is of interest to you, you can check that out over at spellburn.com. Looks pretty entertaining. I've only just gotten a few minutes into it, but uh, find the time to watch the rest of it later. But if you're in the DCC, want to watch that Gen Con 2019 seminar, check that out at spellburn.com. And then finally, something really awesome on the miscellaneous front over at geeknative.com. Saw the title uh, pop up on the Reader Die blog roll. Uh, surprise your players with this literal pop-up D&D Town Square. So I knew immediately who it had to be. And it's this... This person, Juzy, Juzy's RPG Papercrafts, I follow on Twitter. And they do these awesome pop-up uh, maps, pop-up kind of dioramas, pop-up terrain, uh, one-of-a-kind, you know, handmade um, things. And these are super cool. I'll put up a picture of one of the, you know, pop-up towns. But you should really, if you're on Twitter, follow Juzy. Or even if you're not, go over and look at, just look at Juzy's feed because it's just all these cool little videos, something folded up, you don't know what it is, and then they pop it open, and it's some some, some amazing creative thing. I uh, absolutely love their work. Uh, they've got an Etsy where you can buy these fully assembled and laser cut, or you can go on their Patreon and get the blueprints and tutorials um, to make them yourself. But Juzy is on a different level. Uh, you know, it's a unique mind that can kind of come up with these pop-ups and think like that about not only three dimensions, but also folding it up. So I really, really, really admire and enjoy their work. Check out more about it at geeknative.com and then be sure to follow them on Twitter. All right. I'm telling you, I know the material is awesome this week. Don't know about my performance, but I'm 
doing my best. Uh, there's no way to rehearse or prepare for any of this. You know, you just read it and talk about it. So I'm hanging in there. Um, maybe I'm being hard on myself. It's just a lot. So I'm kind of in that kind of bewildered zonked state at this point but we are getting into the final topic and now this is one that I, I almost hesitated doing it because it's a topic that's already kind of been covered uh and covered very well by colin green of spike pit so i've got a a link up if you've never checked out the spike pit podcast legendary anchorite colin green i put a link up and i noted the episodes where um colin kind of covered some of this um but, uh, so basically the idea is talking about, you know, great players, you know, this is a post over at Ars Ludi, A-R-S-L-U-D-I, Ars Ludi or Ars Ludi, uh, Ben, uh, Ben, Ben Robbins blogging over at there, over there. And so when Colin had done these, did a series, at least three podcasts, and I think there was maybe, you know, another one later, you know, it kind of spread out over several podcasts, but at least three. It's talking about what makes a good player, you know? And I think like I called in, a bunch of anchorites called in and, you know, when I think about a good player, it's, you know, I was thinking basic stuff like uh, being on time and uh, letting you know if they're not going to make it and being prepared, you know, kind of knowing the rules or at least knowing their character really well, not being on their cell phone, staying attentive, all that kind of stuff. And they, those, those are all things that are, required to be you know a good player now this post is talking about being a great player though okay so it's kind of like the difference between you know you don't get into the nba for example if you're not good but this is talking about like the michael jordan you know the great the great players so it says what do you mean by um ben says what do i mean by great player knowing the rules well you know that's important but rules mastery is definitely not what i'm talking about Someone who makes cool stuff, someone who talks in funny voices or have their character has their character do amazing things. No, nah, none of that. I mean, that stuff's fine, but that ain't it. When they cast their gaze on someone and think that's a great player, it's because they can see that deep down they pay attention to the balance at the table. They contribute, but they also actively lay ground for others to contribute. They've tuned their senses to the dynamic unfolding between the other players instead of just sitting in their own head, imagining their own fiction. And they try to raise up everyone at the table instead of just rocking the spotlight. They know it's a union, not a solo performance. They want everyone in. And uh, that's excellent play. Doesn't matter what the system is. If you're playing any role-playing game with other humans, that's the secret sauce. It's empathy that makes games great. Some will observe that in the traditional GM model, the GM often shoulders that responsibility for everyone, or at least tries to. But really, everyone should be doing it. Um, and so it kind of goes on about that. And I think that makes some really good points, you know, cause, um, now w there's been some other talk on some other podcasts about definitely not trying to put everything on the back of the GM and how players are kind of responsible for, you know, making their own fun. It's not up to the GM to kind of try to, you know, force it out of people. You're either into the game or not. But this is talking about something more subtle that's a little bit more difficult to describe. And it really, it's kind of, you know, to it's kind of like I was talking about Michael Jordan or, or whatever, you know. Everybody on Jordan's team, you know, he, he elevated the play of everyone else to where, you know, when he'd leave or whatever, all of a sudden their stats would fall off and it'd be like, you know, you could see the impact that they had. And you may have a player when they're gone where you notice that kind of, that void at the table when they're not, not there that week. This is, is more than just knowing your own character and paying attention and all that. It's also kind of knowing everyone else's character and not just, uh, not just in terms of the game, the actual PCs, but, but knowing everyone else and being able to kind of, it's not even really being a life of the party, but being able to bring the best out of others or involve people at the right time or be kind of a generous player is one way I would describe it. And um, one way you see someone do this is maybe by complimenting, even something as easy as complimenting someone on what they did or uh, recalling something that happened to them and being able to kind of bring them into a, a situation in a good way 
Um, not controlling someone. I hate when a player tries to control and tell someone else what to do. That's one of my biggest pet peeves. I hate when players do that. And you will see that quite a lot in some situations. But there's also can be a, a way to kind of maybe gently remind somebody or 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 whatever to where it doesn't feel like uh, what you're not trying to control them, but you're 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 assisting them, um, and that can be uh, uh, is you know with some new players or someone that doesn't uh, you know understand the system as well or whatever. It's uh it's like uh, Ben mentions. There's a it's kind of an empathetic kind of thing, or just really being in tune with the table and being able to do. Um, to sense when to to push things along or or help out or just have that kind of spirit at the table that uh, that uh, that makes everyone better. So <laughs> if you thought I was going to be able to describe it well, well, you haven't listened to me. <laughs> you haven't listened to the thought of your podcast very much. So I know I'm not doing a great job of it, but I thought. Uh, this, you know, when I read this post, it reminded me of Colin's podcast. So if it's a topic that's interesting to you, go back and check out those episodes. I've got those noted on, on the, uh, on the, the blog. And then also this post from com about what makes a, you know, what takes a good player up to a great player. Uh, do you have a great player at your table? Uh, do you have some, uh, tactics or, or if you have a situation where somebody really uh elevated the everybody's gaming um do you have a player like that i definitely have i'm blessed with some really 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 good players and and i have one player that this made me think of that's always looking for ways to bring other people in and uh involve them in in scenes and and things like that really in a subtle way not in a um like I say, a controlling way or anything, just kind of making, making, you know, just makes it better from having them at the table. Make, makes my game better for having all of them at the table, but, um, you know, everybody's got their own different style, and this kind of reminded me of one of the players at my table. So, anyway, that's what I thought I'd talk about this week. Something something positive. Those great players that, uh, that uh, maybe you've played with one, where uh, and you got done, and you're like, oh, that, that's a really great person to play with because they were able to um, to do something like that, uh, elevate your game. You know what I mean? So anyway, check that out over at arsludi.lamemage.com, and be sure and check out those uh, podcasts from Colin at Spike Pit as well. All right, so that is the show for this week. I am pooped. Good stuff. All these awesome links I talked about are over at the Thought Eater blog, frothsoftdnd.blogspot.com. Thank you to the awesome bloggers out there with this never-ending stream of awesomeness every week, giving me something to blabber about. Thank you. So, next you will hear from me is going to be Friday, and it might not be a five-minute Friday. I might run a little bit over because I'm going to be talking about, and it'll be totally spoiler-free, but... Looking at this new Dark Crystal uh, Netflix show, Dark Crystal prequel, and my God, the level of craftsmanship and artistry on this show is breathtaking to behold. And uh, like I say, it'll be spoiler free, but I had some GMing thoughts after looking at this show that I thought I would talk about a little bit on uh, five minute or six minute, seven minute, who knows, still be short on Friday. So I look forward to that. I don't know. I might even end up uh, doing a little series on some, some ideas, but I've got at least one idea, um, that I'm looking forward to talking about already. So that'll be Friday. We are supposed to play Saturday night. So hopefully, uh, that goes well. The, the player that the character that died, uh, you know, our thief, I don't know if you follow along with these or not, but the thief died the last time we played and that character has rolled up a druid. So there'll be a brand new druid coming in. Excited to get back to the game after having a week off from the holidays. So anyway, thank you as always for listening. Huge thank you to the folks back me on Patreon. I really appreciate your support. It's patreon.com forward slash thought eater. If you like what I'm doing, if you're enjoying 
podcast, blog posts, and all that good stuff. Um, it's only a dollar a month if you want to support me. Patreon.com forward slash Thought Eater. Go over and check that out. I'd love to hear from you if you have any comments about any of the topics or, or links or anything from today. You can message me on the Anchor app. You can send me an email, frothsoftfrothsof at gmail.com. Um, what else is there? Oh, I don't think there's much. I need that sweet Logan music. Let's do it, Logan. Sickly platypus, a psychic grenade. Zeroing in on your mental trade. Gonna help you escape from the grind. Thought eater gonna blow your mind.